0: Welcome, everyone, to Politics Express, the Postwriters Politics Podcast. I'm your host, the Postwriters Politics Editor, Lars Emerson. This week, we're here to talk about our Senate ratings for 2022. Our big map of the race is up, and our ratings and analysis are trickling in. So we figured for the first time ever, we'd kind of open up the process and talk about it, how we get to these ratings and where we start when we issue them. With me today is my partner in Senate Ratings, our Editor-in-Chief, Michael Levito. Hello. Mike, it's good to have you. Of course. Uh, We've been working so closely these past couple weeks, rating races. (laughs) We sure have. So like I said, this is somewhat of a process episode. We're talking uh, through our workflow in coming up with the initial ratings for the Senate races in these states, why we changed them, and our read on kind of the state of the overall race for the Senate. Uh, we'll probably come back on to do another one of these once more of our ratings are in so we can talk about the state of the race overall closer to Election Day. But in terms of process, I guess I'd start by saying it sort of starts every summer, right? Is It, it starts with like an allocation is Michael, you and I sit down and we dole out the states that we'll be the editor in charge of and we typically take our respective regions first or states that we have some experience like covering or spending a lot of time in um but this is our third cycle doing this so we've now officially been through all of the states at least twice in theory some of them more than that what what states do we prefer to cover and and why I, i'll go to you, you want to talk about that
1: well the uh i mean you know the, the closer states are more i mean like Are more interesting and it's sometimes like i feel like if you had asked us in 2018 which is the first year we did this um it would not always be the states you think like georgia i think has become one of the more interesting states to to cover and if you had told me that in 2018 i don't think i would have believed you um but obviously because it's become kind of like you know it was a state that i think in the public perception of a lot of people was so republican for so long Obviously, 2020 changed all of that with Biden winning it. And then, of course, the two Senate seats going to Democrats as well. So it's really interesting to, you know, watch those watch those changes happen. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I guess at the start, usually I create this big spreadsheet and I just automatically give you New Jersey, and automatically give me Nevada and Colorado, and then we kind of work backwards. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you feel like... I feel like you've sort of become the Midwest except
1: Wisconsin guy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I feel like I've become the Ohio guy, especially. Yeah. I feel like I've written a lot about Ohio. Although you had that whole series on Midwestern states. But yeah, I tend to cover those. I, I did Michigan last cycle. Um, I have this... I will have... <laughs> I will have uh, been... Ri- ri- I will Excuse me. I will have written three Oklahoma blurbs in two election <laughs> cycles once all is said and done for um so yeah, yeah i think that's that's fair oh i oklahoma i would i would not call it the midwest but that's just a state that stands out
0: no yeah yeah thanks uh there's a special election in oklahoma this cycle because inhofe is retiring yes <laughs> um yeah i don't know i guess i mostly cover like the mountain west states
1: I don't know. I usually, I guess I
0: usually take Kansas too.
1: I don't know. You get the I mean you have California, Oregon, and Washington, those You did California. This oh time. no, I did I did I did California Yes, I did do California, <laughs> didn't I? Never mind.
0: Um so and you know we, we, we dole all these states out. And this is a round win, though ideally before this, I start working on the development for the map and the back end data I actually like put it up on the site too. That's much less interesting to talk about on a podcast. It's just a lot of technical work. But anything you've always wanted to ask me about that, Mike?
1: Not really, no. No, that's fair.
0: <laughs> so let's move on. Just
1: wait. So it's like when you change the colors, you just have like food coloring, and it just feeds into your computer, and you just Right. I, little... I actually
0: smear it on my screen, and for some <laughs> reason, that just works.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're just taking markers to a map <laughs> right. on your screen and coloring it in different shades of red and blue. I've, you can see that
0: on your end, right? <laughs>
1: I, I am I I love hex codes so I guess I am kind of marginally I mean I have the information somewhere but I am kind of marginally curious about the hex code that's used, uh like our exact color coding yeah we don't we are well, that, that we, could get be, really technical really quick. it would be very boring to discuss that on the <laughs> podcast but like you know that that is like if there's anything I've ever wondered it's that because I love like um I, I I do a lot of Wikipedia editing in my free time because I lead a very exciting life but um that when and uh you know it's you it a lot of it's a lot of like history and politics stuff and what i'm always excited when there's like a non-democrat or republican party that i have to find the hex code for oh yeah um it's always fun
0: well i'm glad you're such a hex
1: hex nerd (laughs) it it was it was fun to find the exact shade of green that the washington dc green party and statehood party uses Good for you. Good to know. <laughs> Do you remember the hex code? No, not at all. It's a lighter green than you'd think, I can tell you that. Oh, how exciting.
0: All right, let's move on. So let's move kind of to the second thing. We've allocated all these races. The map is in development. The most interesting part is is how we actually make a rating. Um we're very upfront with our process. I think every year we say that both of us editors have to be in consensus for a rating to be made. The editor in charge usually like takes the first pass on it and he's like, Hey, I'm pretty sure this state's, you know, leaning this way or leaning that way. Um, we, we've ended up in, in debates a couple times, um, where, you know, one of us thought it was a toss up. The other thought it was a lean, um, so there, there's some internal discussion. What, what do we look for when we assign a state a rating initially, you know, like safe democrat, likely republican, toss up, etc. Uh
1: mostly just vibes. Just just go just saying question. <laughs> well, don't tell them that. And then stick my finger up in the air and figure out where <laughs> the one's going. No, we we um you know, we don't really have like a, a like a complex statistical model like 538 does, right? Um, um, I, it's it's a, for yourself. <laughs> well, it's a combination of kind of I would say looking at what I suppose you would call quantitative uh information in the form of like polls and more or less demographics. Right, I don't think we're, we're not actually like like I said like we don't have a formula that kind of like you know like automatically factors in you know sort of the the racial makeup of a state or like the urban v suburban makeup of a state um the rural makeup of the state right it's we're kind of um you know just just kind of looking this stuff up obviously polls is the big one right um you know there's been i would think there's been a little controversy about kind of the accuracy of polls the last couple years especially in the midwest um but polls you know they're they're the best judge you really have as far as figuring out you know which way the wind is metaphorically blowing not literally blowing um So this is interesting because you and I actually do the opposite process is I actually start.
0: I I usually do have a couple spreadsheets floating around. Nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing too technical. Like I don't have like a whole model built out, but I will usually go and look at like the racial composition of the state before I will go and look at the polls. I actually usually look at the polls at the end as like a gut check. Mm. Um, Is, you know, like, uh, one of the races I did this year was, uh, was Colorado, right? And we rated that likely Democrat. And, I, you know, I feel like that was like a pretty easy one to come to. So I, I, I know a lot about Colorado. I kind of know the story of Colorado. I know where these candidates came from and who they are and their financial situations. And I also know that Colorado is a very white state, but it's a very educated state and yada, yada, yada. And you have this, plus you have the electoral history the last 20 years. And then I kind of start to put the story together and be like, yeah, this is definitely a likely democratic state. And then I'll go and look at the polls. And I'll be like, okay, the polls all have Michael Bennett up by, like, 10 points. So that's probably right.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I guess my point is is that, like, I am not necessarily looking at, like, the actual raw numbers of how many people of, like, what race live in what state. Yeah. So much as I'm just like, well, I know that there is, like, a significant black population in illinois right and i know that that means you can already add a couple points democratic to that state because of that right um i know that north dakota is a very like white and rural state so i know i can add a couple points republican to that right but yeah i don't have a spreadsheet of like you know exact population numbers it it makes it sound like i'm kind of doing it on like general knowledge which in some cases i guess i sort of am but i'm also like you know if i have a question like i you know i i look it up right i mean like i definitely even though like i said i didn't rely on specific numbers you know i did take sort of the rap the, the growth of like the atlanta suburbs into consideration when you when you talk about georgia right
0: yeah it, it's a uh, the i think the process actually almost you can either start it qualitatively or quantitatively right but ultimately I've found that once I write the story or start putting together that story, it kind of leads you to the answer. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, like there've been a couple times where, uh, I was, you know, writing a story on a race that we initially rated one way. And then at the end I was like, look, I, I actually kind of think we should knock this down a 10. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably yeah. not as strong a race as we thought or whatever. Um, is there anything, I guess, you, that we would try to ignore, but that most people would assume would go into, like, a state's rating? Does that hmm. make
1: sense? I, I'm trying to think. So, I'll be honest with you, I don't look at the generic ballot that often. Okay. Um, this is just a me thing, because... It's, like, I think it's not a bad tool for, like, just taking the general temperature of, like, oh, is it a right-leaning year or a left-leaning year? But, like, I don't know that I've ever seen a generic ballot move and go, ah, well, this is going to impact my rating. Just because, like, I only, I you know, I just, I, I, I just find the generic ballot only so helpful in a country where it's it's you know this is not there's not proportional representation going on right right you're dealing with discrete populations voting for discrete candidates so i've never been like a huge generic ballot fan for that that's probably my spiciest take
0: interesting so my spiciest take is actually very related to that i almost never look at presidential approval in these Mm.
1: states i actually think
0: that is an overhyped statistic in the political um discourse about senate races is in in house races fine but it's been pretty consistently shown that candidates are what matter the most in senate races and that uh just you know like joe Manchin is able to <laughs> trump was very popular in west virginia right and yet so was joe Manchin. Mm-hmm. um it just you know it's more of like a governor than it is like a president
1: yeah no i i I would i would pretty much agree with that too i think again it was one of those things where if i would look at presidential results maybe more than presidential approval ratings but even then there there are so many idiosyncratic cases like joe manchin like john tester like sherrod brown you know these were all people who ran in 2018 um where it just doesn't really matter. But, you know, obviously it's you don't want to fall into like a Claire McCaskill or Joe Donnelly trap at the same time. But yeah, um, yeah I, I <clears throat> excuse me, I would I would agree with that. And, you know, I think that I do. In, in midterm years, I think you do just kind of like take into consideration uh, the party in the White House, because, you know, that's been a penalty on the incumbent party, right? You have to like take that into account. In a presidential year, I think that's you know, you probably look more at like potential coattails than incumbency. Um, which of course incumbency can play into coattails. Um, but yes, I would agree with you on presidential approval rating. I don't I don't know that it really uh, uh yeah. The per like the um, it yes, yeah, Senate races I've just have this weird tendency to be very personality based. Like they're is no good reason like sort of statistically outside of the actual vote count that like susan collins should still be a senator from maine (laughs) right um and yet she is so right i don't know
0: is there ever like a i'm very focused on like the story because it's the main thing that sets our ratings apart is we We do a lot of like personality based reporting on each of these races, Mm -hmm. and I actually think it it helps in that regard. Right? Is you get more of an understanding for what's going on on the ground. It's like, yeah, actually, you know, in in 2018, we were actually very bullish on both Joe Manchin and John Tester, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we were completely correct. They both won (laughs) Uh, because we told kind of a more local story. It was less a this is a state that went for trump because that's i it's just that's not interesting and it doesn't matter you know these people weren't elected (laughs) thanks to obama right right um i don't know but i don't know do you ever like go through something and you just get like a gut feeling that the race is gonna go
1: a different way just in general or, or looking at like personalities and stuff like that
0: yeah, either way it's like you, you're putting together your rating and you're just like you know what i know all of it, all the polls say he's up 10
1: points but i really think this is a toss-up oh <laughs> um i'm trying to think i don't know that i've ever had that dramatic of a i've definitely like aired in that regard um and this was not a senate race but i was just kind of like when i was you know, we, we we sometimes gamble against each other when it comes to picks and stuff, but it's, like, yeah. the Alaska, like, gubernatorial race. I was like, oh, like, I feel like all these people who are going to vote for Bill Walker are going to vote for Nick Begich instead, and then I'm sure some of them did, but not enough because Mike Sullivan ended up... Or Mike Dunleavy, excuse me, ended up winning. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I... but But there is. I mean, that's kind of how I felt a little bit about Georgia in 2020 was I was like, man, like... The, the polls were very close, obviously, and it you know it just if you looked at the polls it was kind of a coin flip at that point. But I was just like, there's just a vibe I get from everything that's going on that I just feel like George is the place. And then obviously once it went to the runoff, we weren't doing a rating for the runoff, but like once it went to the runoff, I was like, yeah, like the Republicans are just absolutely screwing this up. Like they're doing an absolutely terrible job in this race, and I was like, this I i like i didn't know but i did kind of know that you know I, my fee, my gut feeling was that the democrats were going to win that race
0: yeah i i kind of wish we would have updated those ratings before the runoff but after the general yeah um which i, I guess we could have uh yeah um so i i guess that you know now that we've talked about how <laughs> all these gut instincts and lack of data and all that is here's an existential question for us why are we uniquely qualified to make these ratings
1: well um, now, we'll talk
0: later about our record
1: so let's, right. let's
0: spoil that but why do we why do we do this and why do we feel that we're like decently okay at it
1: well one it's fun <laughs> um <laughs> it's the thing we enjoy doing um two why like why should you trust this is i feel like basically yeah. the question yeah i think part of it is just that like um this is a thing like i can't speak for you but like i'm checking this every day right oh yeah like i am i already have like an obsessive and addictive personality and if you give me like a pretty um you know ui experience that lets me look at like color coded things i'm gonna look at it anyway <laughs> but um <laughs> uh Outside of that toddler esque instinct. Um I I what I would say is I feel like we don't and I'm sure there are lots of people who disagree with this, I feel like we don't have an agenda. <laughs> um in a way. I feel like there are um when you look at these, I would call them like institutional sort of raiders, right? Like five thirty eight politico real clear politics, places like that, they have a reputation at stake um there are certainly some outlets that i think i would not go as far as say like put their thumb on the scale but it's like they have an audience that they're catering to and definitely want to portray the state of the race in some way or another
0: Mm.
1: i feel like we don't i like to think we don't have those biases i know obviously we have our own personal political opinions and biases and people we want to see win these particular races i like to think that um because we're not, in a way, because we're not very well sourced when it comes to kind of like, you know, we're not like an access journalism shop. Um, I like to think that removes some degree of partiality. Um, so yeah, that, that, that's kind of like my, my elevator pitch on that.
0: Yeah, my, I, I guess the way that I kind of think about it is we do this <laughs> in such a bottom up way Like, I actually think the method by which we kind of just accidentally, like, (laughs) I feel like we kind of fell into it is in 2018. I was like, I really want to do this. Um, Because the site had just gone up and tracking the Senate race was like all I did in 2018. Um, And I was like, I'm going to write about each one. And then I realized it was going to be like 35 of them. And I was like, hey, Mike, you want to write half of them (laughs) or whatever? Yeah. Um, And then we had to like dole the state's out and it just led very naturally to a like a, an individual uh, expertise in each state and just kind of like a state level up story. And I don't know. I just I feel like that's so much more. I feel like that's underrated. Right? Is that our starting point for a lot of these stories? Is I know this this and this about this candidate. Here's where they came from and here's what happened in the state 10 years ago and here is why we need to use that to tell the story here in 2022 um and i feel like you just don't get that with other you know race handicappers i don't know yeah I, in a lot of
1: ways i feel like we basically write mini profiles for like every candidate yeah um and i feel like that as as somebody as, as a writer and as like a it's like a character person and someone who's interested in, like, characters. Like, I find that more interesting to consume, personally. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, like, like we've been saying, that's the major differentiator for us compared to places like Politico or The Economist or FiveThirtyEight uh, is telling that story. And, you know, you, you click on the map and every race gets a little blurb. Uh, and this year, for the first time ever, every Senate race will also get at least one article um and we've talked a bit about how we kind of start doing how how we start writing those articles is there do you have any like special process for saying like well i think this is you know i think this is a safe republican state here's how i'm going to start writing this
1: um it it really it really depends on the state on the and on the race um obviously if it's like a special election you want to kind of be like well here's why we're having a special election here's um a little bit about the person they're replacing here's how the people who are running for this race are either like that person or not like that person you know if it's a state i keep bringing up georgia but like if it's a state like georgia and it's like you know the hook is obviously like georgia people thought that georgia had a good chance of going blue in 2020 and then it happened and people were like oh my god georgia went blue right like that's the hook and it's like can Raphael warnock and the democrats keep that up right right? um I don't know that there's like a un there's like a a set mold or formula really um and a lot of times like if it's a if it's a state that you know may have had uh that may have like kind of like shifted red or blue in like recent years i can be like well you know this state at one point had two democratic senators and now they do not and then you kind of like go down why that might be the case and why that's likely to be the case going forward. But I I, I kind of approach it, you know, I just, I, there are some times where I kind of start writing the story before I fully do my research in the sense where it's like, well, I know what I want to say because I just know just based on things I've read in the past, like I know generally kind of what's going on. And now I have to kind of find stuff to to support that, which is not the most like scientifically sound way to, to do things, but um, that's just kind of my process. And there are times where it's like I know literally nothing about this one candidate running. I'm just going to kind of read all of the local coverage I can about them and then find like interesting things about them and then and then put that into the piece
0: That's for those uh those safe races
1: yes yeah. so yeah, I guess let's talk about those right
0: so um our the unofficial motto I've put down is that there is no boring race. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. If a race seems boring and will never in the face of, you know, anything go for the other party, then I feel like we usually try to explain why, because that in and of itself, that's interesting in a democratic system that a race is so safe that literally like half the population could be wiped out in the state and it would still go the same way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do we wish there was more election coverage? like that just generally you know that we're, we're giving like a you know we're not are we giving the, you know this cycle or are we giving arkansas as much coverage as we are georgia or even like colorado no but we're giving it more coverage than most people and kind of telling you why it's not competitive
1: yeah i i mean as someone who is like interested in lost causes. Yes, I do. Like, I, um, so careful, you know, like man. I, I want to know the, like the Democrat who thinks they can win in Idaho. I want to know about them. The Republican who thinks they can win in Maryland. I want to know about them. Right. Um, you know, I, I just think that, uh, those are just like interesting stories. Cause you, you are, I would assume those people know they're going to lose. I'm sorry if I'm kind of blowing up some of our <laughs> ratings here, but it's like, um, you know, I it's like I, I wrote a piece last year for Brooklyn Magazine about this guy named Bill Pepitone who was running as the Conservative Party of New York's nominee for mayor of New York. He got shellacked in the general election, but it's like, I just want to know why he thought he could win and, like, why he's doing this, right? So, yeah, I, I do kind of wish there was more coverage in the sense of, like, nothing's boring because it's like, I wanted, you know, I just think it's kind of interesting that, like, I, I, I wrote the the blurb for North Dakota, like their candidate, Katrina Christensen, it's like, is a like engineering PhD who has worked in like agribusiness and the energy sector. And it's like, well, why is this person a Democrat then? Right. That's kind of like almost like a Republican profile mm-hmm. um, outside the PhD, I guess. Um, and so that that's, you know, how, how how does one become a Democrat in Idaho or North Dakota? How does one become a Republican in um, Delaware or Vermont right and even then it's like Vermont like you think about it it's like if if you were to like um hold up state a and state b right and if you look at state a and it's like this state is like overwhelmingly white very very rural um it's like well that that's that's obviously a very republican state and then it's Vermont it's like well I want to know why Vermont is the way it is so yeah um that i yeah I, I do wish you know again it's like i understand why like you have to manage resources right obviously like and that, there's no, really not a very compelling reason if you're politico to send a reporter out to wyoming right. to cover the democratic candidate there because you know they're probably going to lose right um and it's just not a good use of resources um but those people are still very interesting to me. So, yeah, I, that's, why, that's one of the reasons why I like the way we do it. It makes it a little more entertaining.
0: And yeah. I, I don't know. We, I think it just kind of evolved as this. In comparison to some of the more academic or serious writing on the side, I feel like our, our race-like analysis, it's a little more
1: tongue-in-cheek. Do you feel yeah. it that way? i I do yeah i feel like we tend we we approach with like a little bit of a sense of humor and part of it's because like so i wrote the blurb for indiana i'm not going to spoil anything about it but it's like the democratic nominee for indiana is a guy who has been mayor of a town since 2004 and like he released an ad where he's literally like and he's he's like this like middle-aged white guy this guy is literally hitting a joint like just (laughs) over the 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 border with illinois like how how can you not write something kind of tongue in cheek about that, right?
0: Right. I mean there's there's so many interesting there are so many interesting people and I historically I'd say in these races that are not competitive, but <laughs> this year there are so many interesting people even in very competitive races. So, I don't know. It makes I don't know. My my thing is it kind of makes every state interesting to like I don't know a lot of people who care at all about what happens in North Dakota's Senate race. They know it's going to go for the Republican. Why should they be bothered to read that? Because eh, it's a little funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so we've, we've done that. We did all the ratings. We've written all the, the analysis. So that brings us to the moment where each rating is published and then what happens after that for each state. So our ratings are what we call forward rated. Uh, which is that our ratings apply to Election Day. That is to say that no matter when we issue the ratings, so right now it's August and we've issued some ratings already, it is intended to be applicable to the state of the race on Election Day. For example, if we reasonably expected Colorado's Senate race to tighten to a toss-up by the time Election Day comes around because we know that there's a forthcoming policy in the state coming in October, we would rate it as a toss-up right now, not just likely because of how it stands today um so that usually helps us avoid ratings changes um and I, I actually don't believe we've ever issued a senate ratings change so that in mind mike what would implore you to consider a ratings change in a senate race that we've done all this research on you know maybe it's early october and you're feeling what why are you feeling you want to change a state
1: well i mean like like a major scandal right like I think back to um, I suppose this was 2012, like when Todd Aiken made his comments about abortion, mm-hmm. right, I think that would probably you know make me want to change the rating for that race. Um, I mean obviously like anything extreme like a candidate's death, I think would also probably <laughs> motivate um, a change and then, you know I, you know I polling too, right I think if a race starts to tighten. Um, you know, we're still in August. Most people are not really paying very close attention to these races, so numbers could really change over the next couple months. And I think, you know, you have to be kind of realistic. Again, like you said, polling is, or like I said, I guess polling is not perfect, um, and we can talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but you also kind of have to work with the data you get. So, you know, if if there's a race where we really kind of end up thinking. Like the the one I would use from last cycle is Iowa, like the Senate race in twenty twenty. Like Joni Ernst didn't run like a great campaign. She had actually a one very the only debate I really noticed, she had a very bad debate against Teresa Greenfield, who was the Democrat running. Mm. Um and I was like, This is it, like Ernst is buried. Um Greenfield is gonna beat her. And then Ann Selzer, who was like the the all knower of iowa politics releases her poll. it's like actually ernst is like a pretty like comfortable lead and i don't know that we i don't even remember what we had Iowa's initially but it's like i looking back on it i should have been like okay yeah like it's becoming pretty clear to me that the state that i moved like pretty firmly in the right is not gonna all of a sudden elect a democratic senator um i should really trust what i'm looking at and not just go out of my gut because i think greenfield's gonna win
0: yeah so so we have issued presidential race ratings Updates so in 2020 we issued i think like seven or so and one of those was moving georgia to a toss-up we initially had it as as a lean republican state um and then you know, we moved virginia i think from likely democrat to safe democrat i think we should get a lot of credit on that one by the way <laughs> um and we moved michigan from lean democrat to likely democrat And Nebraska's second congressional district from a toss-up to a lean Democrat. I don't know. I I think we had some good (laughs) ones. Yeah. And I I, I think most of those, I think with the exception of Virginia, I think in Virginia actually it was always like, this is really probably a safe state, but I just want to wait a little longer. Mm -hmm. And eventually it was just like, nothing's changed, so we should change that rating. I think it was usually because things really took a turn. We... Yeah, like in Georgia, right? Is Trump's polls just went way down, so we moved it to a toss-up. Biden had about a 50% chance of winning there, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned scandal as something that would encourage you to change your rating. Do you think we had, like that hasn't, I'm trying to think, it hasn't really happened for us in a single Senate rating. Or do you think it has happened and just we were so sure of our rating because of how polarized <laughs> we assume the country is? You know I well, mean? I think
1: we, we may have had a toss up at the time, but Cal Cunningham um, in 2020, his sort of, I would say, like relatively mild, like sexting scandal. Mm. Um, like even the, the campaign, Tom Tillis, a campaign manager was like, yeah, we would not have one if not for that. Um, so I, I think that, that that that's really the only one that stands out.
0: Yeah, we had that as a lean Democrat. Mm hmm. Cool. We will take a commercial break, and then we'll, we'll talk about our record.
1: If you're a fan of the Post Writer's articles, podcasts, and projects, be sure to sign up for our newsletter. It's a once-a-week digest of everything we've worked on, what the site is up to, and other things we'd recommend each Monday. We don't believe in subjecting you to daily annoying emails, but we do
0: believe in keeping our most passionate and loyal supporters in the loop on what we've been up to.
1: We know how inconvenient and annoying it is to have your inbox flooded with constant reminders and useless material. That's why we run a curated weekly newsletter that gives you a once a week scoop. New subscribers help us know how many people are reading and listening to our work and want to hear more from us. So go to the
0: slash newsletter to sign up now. And we're back. So let's talk about our record. We've been doing this three cycles. One of those was a presidential year, too. I would say, looking back on it, and I know we just talked about how we, you know, you could say we called North Carolina wrong because we gave it a lean Democrat, but that's not really what that means. <laughs> just means we felt the Democrat had about a, you know. 60% chance or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think we're more conservative than most outlets, like The
1: Economist or FiveThirtyEight. Mm-hmm. Do you... I don't know. Do you disagree? Um, I think a little bit. I mean, just looking at the data you've compiled here that, that tracks all of our ratings and, and stuff. Yeah, I, I think I, w- I would broadly agree. Um, and I think there are a couple reasons for that. I think... I. I'm going to speak very confidently about things I don't know that much about. But, um, you know, I think part of that is because, like, because we're not really relying on, um, mod- like, you know, qu- like, we're not uh, entirely relying on quantitative models to give us our results. Like, it lets us kind of maybe flush out either preconceptions or, or like, things that don't would no longer apply in a spe- specific election, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: I mean, it also lets us avoid, like, a a correlated polling error across a number of states. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just... I don't know. I feel like... Well, I'll have a little more to say about it either. But whatever we're doing, it, it appears to have worked out in our favor. So... You're comparing us to, like, The Economist and Five Thirty Eight are, like, the big ones that issue, like, a statistical-driven model. Um, so here, here's some fun numbers for you, Mike. Mm-hmm. Here are the final forecasts by all three of us as of Election Day. Because, so, you know, The Economist and five thirty eight update, like, to the minute. Uh, we don't.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, that should, in theory, give them an advantage. But in the 2020 Senate race, the Economist had Democrats getting an average of 52.2 seats. 538 had 52. We said 51. Do you remember the actual result? 50. (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) we did, you know, sure, we called the North Carolina race a little wrong, and we thought Georgia was less competitive than it ended up being, but those canceled out.
1: (laughs) Well, we probably called Maine wrong, too, is my guess
0: yeah we had maine as a as a lean democrat Mm -hmm. um but we were very bullish on mark kelly in arizona so ultimately this all kind of canceled out so that our actual result was much closer yes um for 2020 president it was the same story right as the economist had biden winning 356 electoral votes which sounds like a lot uh 538 also had him winning 348 we were significantly below that we had him with 323 and the actual number of electoral votes he got was 306. Um, I don't know. I, that, I feel pretty good about that one. Because that was an election that people really thought, I think people were surprised by how tight it ended up being.
1: Yes, I would agree. Um, um, and even though we overshot it a bit, we didn't overshot it quite as much. Which I think is pretty impressive, actually. If I don't yeah. say so myself.
0: Um, we, like, we overshot it by basically one Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah um or one ohio or something Um, probably florida yeah uh florida's kind of big and then in the 2018 senate race uh the economist did not issue a forecast that year but the 538 had the gop winning 52 seats which we tied with them on we also said 52 and the actual result was 53 so we have not been bested i'll at least put it that way
1: yeah that's that's true
0: um I don't... I, I don't know. I... You have thoughts? You have thoughts on that? I I didn't really know that until I kind of sat down to put those numbers together and, and looked
1: at it. It made me feel a little good. I think it means whenever you or I disagree with Nate Silver, you should always just defer to our judgment instead. We might still be wrong, but we'll be, like, less wrong than he is, I guess. <laughs> we'll be less wrong on the average, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um... I... Yeah, so... So the way we get that, that uh, you know, actual projection for seats, right, is, it's, you know, all of the safe Republican seats, they're point, they're counted as, you know, basically 99% of a seat. And then all the likelies are like 85% of the seat and so on and so on. And toss-ups are like 50% to each party. And that that all gets averaged out. So that's why if we call one race one way and the other the other way, it cancels it out. But one thing I've noticed that's interesting about that is we're, actually way bolder with our likely and safe ratings than most other places. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in 2018, um, you know, the the Minnesota presidential election in 2016 was like kind of famously close as Trump got a little close to winning it for Mm -hmm. Democrats' comfort. But we called both uh, its uh, general election with Klobuchar and then its special election with Tina Smith. Uh, as safe democratic races whereas most places put that special election as likely for some reason (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) it kind of i don't know it it baffled me just because they're on the same ballot
1: yeah (laughs) well i feel like with special elections there's always like a bias to make it not as solid as others because weird stuff happens Um, but
0: they're i don't know
1: no i agree i i i obviously think it was also a safe and you know it was i don't think tina Smith had much issue winning that election but yeah um yeah
0: i don't know and in in 2020 you know there are a number of places i'll specifically you know the economist was a little aggressive in its ratings and they were like you know texas we also had lean trump i get that and i actually think that was a fair rating based on what happened mm-hmm. um but like south carolina <laughs> or Alaska, or Montana, which we we did say likely. Like, we weren't like, this is a sure thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we were willing to say there's only a 60% chance this goes for Trump, you know?
1: Yeah, I South Carolina, I don't really understand. Like, I, I, I get why people had the Senate race as, as close. I don't understand why people had the presidential race as close. Alaska, again, I think it's just like a very idiosyncratic state. Um, I feel like it's not dissimilar from Utah in the sense that, like, you get the idea that Trump is not, like, super popular there, or, like, as popular as, like, the generic Republican there. Mm -hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I just think it's one of those things where it's, like, us probably not doing this, like, full-time might help, too, because I feel like if you're doing this full-time, you can just stare at something and convince yourself of a lot more things. Um, so maybe that's an effect as well. I mean, yeah. The thing that stands
0: out the most to me is probably actually the original 2018 rating. I mean, we were were adamant. We said not only is both of Minnesota races safe, but Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, and Pennsylvania's races are all safe Democrat races, despite having all gone for Trump two years prior. And we were, like, dead on. The Democrats didn't actually have a lot of problems in any of those states. Yeah, but... It is a thing we were much bolder and much more correct on <laughs>
1: than than other people. You know what I mean? We 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 have I think like I, like I said before we just have less to lose, right? <laughs> you know. Like Nate Silver, I feel like cannot leave his apartment without somebody being like, "You told me Hillary was gonna win, right?" <laughs> like we're we're more we're more anonymous than him, so we don't have that issue, <laughs> right? Okay, we we get like a like a million readers on the site. Oh, it's all gonna change. We're gonna be <laughs> you know right so gonna hedge a lot more. Hope we don't. Yes. Wait. <laughs> um.
0: Well, I, I guess I'll ask before we wrap uh, wrap up. We haven't really talked about. Uh, The ratings we're issuing this year because there's still a lot of them to come out uh most of them have not been rated yet but you know if we're going to do a teaser for the audience looking forward you know you and i have been talking behind the scenes about ratings for some of these is there any state that you think our eventual rating on uh maybe particularly surprising for audience members
1: my my whole feeling is like i'm watching ohio pretty closely um, just because, you know, I think there's this general, not incorrect, sense that it's that it, you know, it was once this ultimate swing state. It's now become much more Republican in recent years. Um, but Tim Ryan's been leading in like most polls against JD Vance, and that could absolutely be, uh, you know, that you know, they, we could have like we could have like another Teresa Greenfield situation in our hands. But hmm. Tim Ryan is like very well known in Ohio jd vance like I'll, I'll keep my jd vance rant short but it's like the people who read hillbilly elegy were not hillbillies it was coastal elites who wanted to understand trump voters um and he didn't win his primary you know by a whole lot so um yeah i just think that's a very interesting race to look at because it's one that i think most people would assume is like you know Um, very much going to go one way, but it seems like it might be in play. um, Or at least more in play than most people thought it would be.
0: Hmm. Uh, uh, Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think... I I think... I'm not sure our Nevada rating will surprise people, because we've been forecasting that one for like a year and a half now. But... I think our Utah rating could surprise people. I think that is, you know, I I just wrote the piece for that one. Uh, I think it is the most undercovered and possibly the most interesting race this cycle. There's something really interesting happening there. Um, And I uh, I think listeners will enjoy that one. I don't know. I also, well... I think our ratings on pennsylvania and wisconsin could also be potentially interesting
1: yeah yeah that's true um
0: anything else
1: i, I don't think so you'll have to, you'll have to watch this space to, to to see what we actually put as the ratings
0: yes keep keep an eye on the map it's at the com slash 2022 dash senate dash election Probably should have said that earlier, but you know where to find it. It's right on the homepage. It's right in the menu bar. Um, but we'll wrap the episode up with our, our in our lifetime for this week. Mike, ready for this? <laughs> well, Born ready. We'll keep it pretty simple since uh, we've been talking about high level process and the Senate race without getting into too many details. Here you go. The first presidential election that you and I were alive for was the 1996 one, in which Bill Clinton won states like West Virginia, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Kentucky, which have all gone for the Republican candidate since. In fact, you and I have seen 21 states go for both parties at least once, mostly mm-hmm. in the South, Southwest, and Midwest. In our lifetime, will we see every single state? go blue and red at the presidential
1: level at
0: least once
1: does this include the district of columbia it does not okay because if it did i would say absolutely not So, so, so here's a little
0: context too so for our parents generation or anyone born before the 1964 election for that matter they have all seen all 50 states go for each party at least once and that is also the first year dc was allowed to vote and it is only voted for democrats
1: Yes, um... I... Okay, so, like, my... Wild, right? (laughs) My head says yes, because it's just like a... um, Because who the heck knows what the world's going to be like in 40 years um, and what kind of weird political alignments we'll, we'll have witnessed. My gut says no i just i mean there were people who had never seen vermont go to a democrat between like 1860 i think vermont literally went 104 years without going for a democrat um and like do i think like wyoming or oklahoma is gonna go for a democrat in the next 104 years honestly probably not um So I'm going to say no. I think I'm going to say no, too. I honestly
0: cannot see Arkansas or West Virginia flipping. I think I could see almost every single other state. But those two... You could see Wyoming flipping? I I actually could. There are so... I I think in Wyoming, you'd have like a Nevada situation where there are so few people there that let's assume it gets let's assume it grows by a million people in the next 50 years before we pass <laughs> that's that's still more population than it has right now
1: <laughs> yeah
0: that you know it that will mean it has over doubled in size
1: mm-hmm. i don't know well, okay this i this might be a question for another mm-hmm. podcast so we don't have to do it now but but can i can i pause can i pause you another question sure it's really two questions and you might not have this data right in front of you, so it might be hard. But of the states that have not voted for a Democrat since nineteen sixty four, which do you think is the most likely to flip?
0: God. Of the states that have not gone for a Democrat since nineteen sixty four. Yes. Which do I think is most likely? Do you, do
1: you want me to give you a list?
0: Uh no, I can Google just as well. <laughs>
1: I know them pretty much off the top of my head, not to brag. Most but. likely. I mean, it is
0: almost all of, all of these states. So I am tempted to say, oh, no, but Montana went for Clinton in 92, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um.
1: So Montana would have been a good choice otherwise.
0: And Texas went for Carter. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the obvious answer has to be either Alaska or, like, Kansas, right? I think it's Utah. Or
1: you, it could be Utah, but for a Democrat? I don't know. For a Democrat? <laughs> I don't know. You did write a whole article about how young Mormons yeah. are more Democratic. That's true. I guess I just, I think I could see Alaska happening first.
0: Alaska, yeah, I get Because Alaska, you that. also have a Wyoming thing. There's very few people yeah. there.
1: I actually feel like Idaho's kind of underrated too, because oh, like I just Bo- wrote the
0: Senate blurb for that one man. That is oh. not a, that is not a blue state. A,
1: <laughs> Bo- Boise's growing though. That's all I'll say.
0: Okay. Um, I don't. Yeah, that is an interesting question. Mm-hmm. But th- there you have it. I you know our parents saw it happen. Why shouldn't yeah. we have that same privilege?
1: <laughs> I asked the same about states that haven't gone republicans since 84 but i don't know those off the top of my head
0: oh yeah i don't know either i mean the the 90s i think it's actually pretty limited because the 1988 election was kind of a wipeout yeah yeah that leaves washington oregon hawaii minnesota new york connecticut and rhode island as the only answers hmm so who's most likely to go republican i guess i'd say minnesota
1: yeah i was gonna say that or oregon but they're moving in opposite
0: directions is the problem yeah. oregon yeah.
1: used to be closer now it's not mm-hmm. uh, yeah i think yeah i think minnesota is the answer
0: yeah well we will end with that <laughs> um it, that is interesting it's just interesting states change people you know, states change. It's not always going to be blue or red. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to be blurple. Yeah. Be sure to reach out to us on Twitter. You can find and follow us at the ThePostWriter or via our email address, contact at ThePostWriter.com. Uh, we like to hear from you. Come chat with us. Ask us your questions about our ratings. Tell us why we're wrong. Seriously, tell us, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us what you think the most important race is. We'll, we'll try to talk about it on a future episode. It's, it's rating season. That's fun for me. Uh, Politics Express is a postwriter podcast brought to you by com. You can check out stuff we work on things we've written, our other podcasts, and the Senate map all over there. Thank you, Mike, for joining. Go Senate. <laughs> it goes Senate.